Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hello, this is Ugo Chai, and this is episode 40 of the Traveling Image Makers podcast. As with the episode of last week, I'm recording this before leaving for my tour of the Greek islands. I'll be there for a couple of weeks, and when this episode goes live, um, I will still be there, sailing the blue uh, waters of the Aegean Sea and scouting locations for our upcoming uh, workshop in the Greek islands, the, the Cyclades, Santorini, and Milos that will be held in June of 2017. If you want to know everything about all the tours I organize, the go-to address is mediterraneanphototours.com. Hope to see you on one of our next adventures. And now it's time to see who we have on the show this week. To say that my guest for this episode of the podcast, Luca Bracali, is a travel photographer would be too limiting. For he is also an expert TV director and a true explorer, having been to the North Pole, amongst other really remote locations. My interest in Luca's work and personality, and the reason why I invited him to be a guest on the show, was sparked mostly from his commitment to the preservation of the environment and the deep respect and love he has for the Earth, its nature and its people. Luca has traveled to 138 countries, is the author of eight books and a winner of several prizes in international photographic competitions. Uh, beside that, I think he's the first one of my guests that has a dedicated Wikipedia page. Besides environmental issues, we discuss the special challenges photographers have to face when shooting in extreme climates, what it takes to be a TV director, ancient art is inspiration, and many other topics. So this episode is quite long, but I'm, I'm sure it's uh, it will be interesting because it's uh, packed full with uh, useful information and funny anecdotes, and Luca is just uh, such, such a great character, so I'm sure you will not be bored by, by it. So let's uh, listen to my interview with Luca Bracali, and you will be able to find all the links to the sites and other resources that we mentioned in this interview at our website at ttim.photo forward slash 40 that is four zero you can find links there to subscribe to the show on itunes uh, on android and various other services and if you would like to leave us an honest review about what you liked about this show then please do that's very much appreciated and it helps us a lot uh, with gaining visibility in itunes and getting more audience Thank you very much and enjoy. So it's a bit strange for me to be talking uh, English with my guest today, Luca Bracali, because we are both Italian, uh, but we have to speak English for the benefit of our audience. And um, anyway, it's a great pleasure for me to have you here, Luca. Yes, How I'm very you? happy. I'm very happy to go. And uh, can you tell us a bit about yourself and uh, how did you get started in photography? Okay, absolutely, yes. So first of all, I say hello, hello to everyone. You know, I guess uh, you have lots of followers on your 
podcast, uh, which is absolutely very professional. And so I want to really thank you so much for having done this for, you know, photography. So, well, let's speak about myself. Um, it's a kind of, uh, it's a kind of, uh, you know, a bit strange story. So, um, when I was, uh, uh, when I was busy, you know, in uh, like high school, uh, was like, uh, you know, um, in electrical, uh, in electrical stuff, you know, in uh, during my youth, I was so shy. I was ter- terrible shy, uh, which I was kind of uh, unable to, um, to uh, you know, have a, have a conversation, you know, with uh, also with my professor, with my teacher. So, and uh, the judgment of uh, the uh, teacher of Italian was very bad and rude about me. So, she told, uh, she wrote that I was close and limited in my small world was almost unable to uh, to escape so this really touched my heart and uh, and I remember still remember you know the first time I tried to approach uh, a girl she was um, she was a German girl I tried to get in touch with her and you know just kind of an invitation to have like dating out and uh, so I told her so uh, yes go and it means uh, shall we go or uh, let's go anyway and uh, everybody you know make fun of me so I really feel myself like being unable to to I mean uh, being in touch with uh, with my next, and so uh, finally I found uh, a teacher, a professor who was uh, able to teach fifty two different subjects. Uh, of course, she uh, he he didn't have fifty two degrees, different degrees, but a lot of degrees uh, in uh, like in English, in French, in Italian, in math, in science, and. Uh, and uh, he used to be a top professor of shorthand too, and uh, and photography as well. So he, uh, his name was uh, Cornelio Bizello, and um, he was um, from like uh, Padova area, and uh, he moved to Pistoia. And so um, I I start, you know, he introduced me in the in the dark room, and he gave me he gave me like a, a donation, a Canon. Uh, um, a Canon camera and it was an F1 so it was a really super camera with a 50mm 1.2 and uh, it was my uh, my you know real approach to the world of photography so he taught me uh, how to take uh, you know landscape photography and portrait but uh, uh, I remember at the age of six years old my 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 uncle Give me three three camera. He used to uh, have three camera: a Dacora, Voglander, and something else. And so I had to, you know, show him a portrait when I was six years old, and I still have it. So I discovered, you know, one of my suitcases, uh, this black and white picture, a little bit blurred, but it's still my first picture ever taken, you know, when I was six years old. And so, you know, from uh, 15, 15, uh, from 15 years old to 18, I studied photography, you know, with this uh, professor. And uh, finally, when I graduated from a high school, you know, my great desire was to uh, be in touch with a um, motorcycle champion, such as Freddie Spencer, uh, was a uh, top champion like Valentino Rossi in MotoGP. And so I asked, you know, how to approach him, how to take picture, you know, from the like uh, racetrack uh, to this uh, top champion. And uh, my mechanic suggested me, so well, or you start becoming your career as journalist but, or like photographer. So in uh, journalism, I was not very good, so my rate was pretty low at the time. 
And uh, so I, I decided to start, you know, in, uh, you know with photography. And uh, so exactly, exactly 30 years ago was a 1986, uh, I started with a very small uh, uh, magazine from my city, from Pistoia, actually. Uh, and my first story was about a motocross uh, racer, was a friend of mine, Mario Gentini, who was competing, uh, used to compete in an off-road race. So it was my first, let's say, professional picture ever, ever taken. And nowadays you, you do photography, of course, but you're also a traveler and I would say an explorer because you've been to some really unexplored places. Hmm. And you do TV, you're a TV director, you're a presenter, you have a series of YouTube videos videos on different countries and so on. Uh, how did it all came about? Uh, was it photography that pushed you to travel or did you always have a love of travel and that uh, um, moved you to, to photograph those places and trying to, to sell pictures from the places you visited? And how, how did you get into television and how it all ties together, if you can a bit expand on, uh, on your multifaceted life? Hmm. <laughs> this is a very interesting and tricky question, you know. Um, but it's a very good one. I love it, you know, what you asked me, Hugo. So, um, let's say, first of all, I'm a very curious person. So, I love uh, everything uh, uh, who surrounded me. Um, I love to explore. I love the nature. I love the environment. Uh, um, for instance, there are some kind of photography, you know, I don't really like, you know, personally, like still photography, which is absolutely beautiful and you have to use a lot of technique, but it's, uh, you know, I would, I would do it for also for, you know, like 10,000 euro per shot. So um, I'm attracted very, very much by our world. So, uh, and that's the reason why, you know, I publish at least two or three books about, you know, our planet. So, um, first of all, uh, uh, at the very beginning, travel is my major priority, where it was at, at, at the very beginning. So, it was a friend of mine who involved me when uh, I was like 20 years old and told me, Luca, uh, why don't we go, you know, somewhere uh, on the um, on the French coast uh, just to the, just to see, you know, what they like French looks like. So went to, uh, uh, I remember, an area uh, close to Nice, uh, um, Jean Le Pen, uh, Antibes, you know, something like for holiday. And, uh, you know, and I find, and, and I found some difference, you know, compared, of course, to Italy. And I was uh, soon attracted. And the, the year after, uh, we plan to go like to Munich and then a little escape without telling anything to our parents. So we went to Denmark, and then you know uh, I uh, I enter in the world of uh, journalism. You know, after a few years, it was 1991, and I asked my director. Uh, so I was shooting motorcycle and car basically, and I asked him. So director, what do you think that the, the magazine was uh, was auto? So auto car, it means so 220,000 copies sold, so which was a pretty good magazine. So I say, what do you think, you know, if this August, uh, rather than going for holiday, um, ask uh, to some car dealers to give me a car and I'm traveling, you know, all around Europe and I will tell you, you know, my, my story about, you know, my, my upcoming trip. And so look, if the quality of your picture will be the same, uh, which we're used, uh, well, why not? 
So I called the Toyota guy and uh, I told them, so I got eight pages stories on auto magazine. So would you mind to give me one of your car and, uh, you know, I'm going to have this experience. So they gave me a Toyota 4Runner and I went for like a one month trip, 16,000 kilometers all around Europe, six, 15 or 16 countries. And I remember we dropped the car in Tromsø, Norway, and we've flown all the way to Svalbard Island which was a kind of undiscovered archipelago. Still now, it's, it's, it's very far off. It's a very remote area, 1,200 kilometers far from North Pole, and uh, three, um, um, two, 2,500 uh, inhabitants and, uh, and uh, 3,000 polar bears. So, uh, but you, you can imagine, you know, uh, you know, the way it looks in 1991. So it was my real first adventure. And uh, then, you know, I keep shooting, I keep shooting uh, um, like I do something, you know, with models, uh, with the cars, uh, but, you know, I see myself uh, shooting a, a 12 cylinders engine of a Ferrari is absolutely lovely or testing it, but unfortunately I cannot afford, uh, you know, this, uh, this kind of a car. Shooting beautiful uh, Russian or American models, uh, naked, I mean, totally naked, it's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, if if you if you love women, you know, also from uh, uh, from an aesthetic point of view, it's uh, it's absolutely breathtaking. But of course, they don't belong to you. And uh, then when I discover nature and I discover the beauties of our world, I say to myself, Luca, this is your way. You must do it absolutely. And I use photography as means of uh, of transportation to transport and to transfer my emotion, my feeling. And uh, so this was a very important step to me. And uh, after maybe 20 years uh, of photography or something like that, uh, I was called by one of the big boss of uh, Rai, of Rai One, actually, and he told me, look, I remember you pretty much involved uh, in, the, in shooting cars and motorcycles, so uh, I have a program which is called Easy Driver. So would you like to become a TV director for, uh, for this program? And so you can apply photography because, you know, a TV director basically is a, you know, let me you know, use this term, a super photographer. So you have to be a photographer with, uh, with a new ledge of the world of TV, which is a bit different from photography, but not a far. In fact, you know, if you look my uh, documentary, you know, my, my TV images, uh, there's a lot of photography inside of it. You know, my direction is based basically on photography. So doing also both, like uh, when, when I'm traveling the world, I do, I do both. So I'm still 100% photographer. Because I told you I'm very curious and uh, I'm very eager to discover a new location and, and, and find a, a relation with people, with landscape, with animals. And uh, at the same time, so I used to take with me um, a video maker, which is under my direction. So, you know, what I'm doing in photography, I ask him to do the same, like the same shooting, but in video. Then, of course, video is different. You have to, you know, uh, use different processing. You can put add music. You can add a, add a story, like a, a speech inside of it. For instance, right now, um, I'm working on 10, uh, you know, short documentaries for Ray One. 
for Uno Mattina, uh, about 10 different places, you know, I, I travel in the world. So from uh, my recent trip to Scotland and, and Ireland up to the North Pole, you know, where I trekked, you know, a few years ago. So it's, uh, it's absolutely something that I cannot live with. So I'm deeply involved. Like, I'm like an addicted, you know, I never, I never... Uh, use drug in my life, but I also never drink a, a coffee in my life. I never smoke a cigarette or a joint, but I'm totally addicted by travel, by discovering new place, new location, and capturing, you know, it uh, not only with my heart, but me, with my major, my most important instrument, which is, of course, my camera. In this case, my Fujifilm X-T2 camera. So you got uh, bitten by the travel bug and then ah, yeah. infected ever since. Absolutely. And it's interesting what you said about TV. I mean, it was uh, if somebody asked me, well, you want to come and direct uh, a show for the for Rai, which for people who don't know it, it's um, Italian national TV. And then I would say, are you kidding? <laughs> are you crazy? <laughs> and you tell me it's, uh, it's basically photography plus, so... Many people would be able to do it, so you, you do it very well. And yeah, it's true. It's, uh, Thank you. it's a lot about photography and finding the, the right light uh, and scenery and composition. It's Absolutely. very, very yeah. important. Yeah. Those are the main, rules, the main rules. Then you have to add a different language. But don't forget that you, pictures, that photography, it's a universal language. And video is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's more, in a way, complicated. Because, but in a way, it's, uh, it's always easier. Because if you think, you know, a picture, just a photo, as, uh, you have only you have a shot. You have to get, uh, capture the moment, the carpe diem. With video, of, uh, because uh, with, with a single shot, you have to go straight to the heart of the person with a single shot. With video, also, if it's not, uh, you know, like uh, 100%, let's say, well, you can play with the editing. If you had a very soft or deep music, uh, if you have a story, uh, like um, if, you, if you write a good text and you use a very good voiceover, of course, you know, you can transfer different emotion. Uh, so in a way, it's easier, you know, uh, than photography, but it's more complicated to to to, to be done because, uh, of course, you have to work a lot after you've uh, you have the, you've done. Uh, I mean, your uh, your shooting. There's a lot of uh, post processing and editing and stuff like that. But of course, you know, I do only direction. So I have I have a team of person of. Uh, editors of uh, people that used to do lots of, uh, you know, like video cutting or uh, uh, I, I, I love writing the text myself, but of course uh, I'm unable to use uh, such a video editing program because uh, you know, I have to stay concentrated on picture basically and on the story so, and since, you know, everything comes from my heart, you know, I don't like, you know, people tell me what to do and where to go it's always a personal choice, so mm-hmm. I go where my heart is tell me it really want to take me. Yeah, and your heart, if I understand correctly, is very much into nature and the environment. Your your work has a lot to do with conservation, with yes. preserving the the planet, the environment, and nature. Uh, can you tell us maybe how can photography help in this respect? Hmm. I'm I'm totally I'm totally devoted to. Uh, uh, to God and to planet heart. 
God, because you know, it's been you know the, the the creator of our planet. Well, to me, of course, and uh, I love my planet so much. It's not a matter of uh, of marketing. You know, some people may think you know is of course uh, he's surfing uh, the wave because now uh, global warming issues and uh, you know ice melting. Not at all. You know, I'm in I'm in this kind of uh, you know of love since uh, maybe 15 years. You know, when when I when I realized something on you know, my planet. I our planet uh, was constantly and slowly, but not that much slowly, changing. Um, so I feel uh, everyone has a duty, you know, as uh, a citizen, because uh, you know we got uh, we got uh, our planet uh, from our parents. But do you think, Hugo, we will be able to trespass uh, to live as a gift uh, our planet to our? our children or maybe our nephew do you really do you really think this or not honestly not as it is mm. not as it is today and definitely mm. not as it was a uh, time ago yeah we are uh, mm. no, yes. i don't know what world we are leaving to our to our children and to the future generations it's uh exactly it's, yeah Exactly, and this is my my major concerning. Is that you know I really want to put you this question because uh, you know I wanna I wanna I don't want to be only myself you know with this kind of a thought. So uh, it's 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 a it's a really concerning that uh, of course I can sleep pretty well, but when I, when I wake up and I, and I realize what is what is slowly but I told you in a, in a way fastly happening to our planet I'm in a way desperate I see the world changing I visited 138 countries so far so from South Pole in 2003 uh, yeah, 2003 uh, uh, or oh, 2004. Well, and uh, and I reached the North Pole. Uh, and it was a very long trek, like on ski. Uh, I reached the North Pole in 2009, and uh, and basically I interview lots of scientists, you know, working with Russian, Italian, and American, just to have you know different uh, um, uh, different information. Uh, just to, I, I want to really touch. Uh, you know, the risk of, of our planet. And unfortunately, if I have to be a doctor, well, uh, you know, I have to tell you that the... Situation is not, does not look good. Prognosis is not... Absolutely not. Photography, sorry, can, can help, uh, you know, in a way. It's, we have a personal duty. Well, myself, well, I'm, I'm shooting nature, of course. So you can preserve, you can preserve in a way, nature in, uh, in, uh, in which way? By uh, um, by spreading uh, the good seeds, so by uh, telling the more people you can, I'm doing this with my book, with my international exhibit, with TV as a, as a guest, and uh, and uh, you know let them people being aware of the situation. Of mm. course, you, we don't have to 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 run away and, and shouting, you know, uh, to the world what's happening. But slowly, slowly, telling that everyone has a mission. I have a mission as photographer, so uh, like a, a conservancy. So my picture about polar bear will be and will stay forever. I have a, a document, a proof document of what, what the, 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 the Arctic uh, used to be 20 years ago, what is now, and uh, probably uh, in 50 years it will be totally changed. And what can other people do? Well, can you respect the nature? And I have to teach this to uh, to the, the the young generation. Uh, I do lots, um, lots of talking, lots of meeting with uh, 
kind of conference in the in, in, in the school with the young children so uh, I used to teach them how to preserve our word uh, for instance you know um, when you wash uh, when you brush your teeth why keep you know like uh, the water like, let the water running you know for like five minutes you, you, you may stop it. You open and close it, open and close it, and you, and you brush your teeth in you know, the same way. Uh, the, the air conditioning, why keeping the air conditioning on and, and you know, stay with long sleeve shirt? And uh, like in wintertime, doing the opposite, you know, uh, you stay half naked in your home and you keep like 23 degrees. Why don't you use uh, LED technology light uh, rather than uh, fluorescent lights? So uh, while well, like, uh, running the, the car for like five minutes uh, for like heating up and uh, rather than, you know, shut the, the engine off. So there are some little tricks, you know, that can be applied to our life. Uh, even if you are young or if you are like, uh, like adult, uh, you know, no matter who you are and what's your age, but we can do everyone. It's a, our duty. If we want to preserve our nature, our world, we must do it. No way, no doubt. Yeah, I, I think this is very important because being personally involved and promoting conservation is that goes beyond pure photography because you know, if you, you can go to Svalbard and photograph the polar bears, but if we don't do something pretty soon, those polar bears will only be pixels <laughs> on a memory card mm-hmm. on a hard disk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you preserve them in a way, but it's, that's not what really counts. That's not what really matters. You need to, to involve yourself uh, and this is what you're doing. And uh, we should all be thankful for to people like you who do whatever they can to to promote conservation. I think you do an invaluable Thanks. work in that. Thanks, Hugo. Thanks, Hugo. I really spent uh, maybe now 15, uh, 15 years uh, of my life. I've done more than 20 uh, like expedition or you know mission whatever you know uh, you may call it uh, in the in the Arctic basically in the Arctic area you know from uh, like uh, Lofoten Islands or Norway Iceland Svalbard have been many times but also uh, Canada and Alaska as well so working for reasons just, just to give you an idea um, um, uh, a month ago. Uh, I I received a very special guest in my home. His name is uh, uh, Vladimir Romanovsky, and you may check who's this man, who's a gentleman. He's uh, he's a professor. He's a teacher at the UAF University of Alaska in Fairbanks, and he is the biggest name in research about permafrost issue. And permafrost, which means permanent frozen ground, is something that, you know, is very important in the conservancy of, uh, of our land. Do you know um, that permafrost is melting? And uh, the, the melting of permafrost, uh, which affects, you know, some area, uh, some Arctic region, you know, basically Tantra or Taiga, but basically Tantra, where, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and uh, lots of, uh, you know, um, damages may happen due to this. For instance, you know, architecture may change uh, and some uh, villages like Shishmari for Kivalina in, uh, in Alaska really drop down and they sue, they sue the, 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 uh, the company, the oil company. 
such like you know Shell in this case, and uh, or in Siberia, for instance, the permafrost is melting down. So um, and uh, and it releases methane, and methane is one of our worst enemy. You know, so the 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 the, the atmosphere that breathes you know methane will be totally collapsed. It's one of the you know the the three fossil uh, gases which really affect the most you know our our planet. It's, uh, it's so, strong greenhouse gas, I think. Methane. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I had this uh, this special guest, and uh, so I had a pleasure to share with him. You know, our uh, it was just uh, like a dinner, you know, with his family. But uh, so we plan to have a another in, in meeting. I, may, I first met him in uh, in uh, in his uh, you know university, and he allowed me to follow him to do some research on field. And now I want to do something more, you know, with him pushing uh, the spreading again, you know, the news about uh, about our planet to do something to pursue to I mean to try to slowing down this process which you know of course has already started I, I cannot I, I'm a little grain of uh, uh, of um you know, of land, I'm a little piece, and uh, of course I can't do anything, you know, without a, the big oil company or, or people who are, unfortunately are really endangering our planet. But I can help to slowly, a little bit down, you know, this kind of a process, and I'll use all of my, all of my power that I have, you know, to, to, to make this happen. You know, I don't know if I'll be successful or not, but at least I have to try. Okay, this is this is very important. But uh, for uh, for a moment, I would just like to to go back to photography, which yeah. this podcast is all about. Even though the issues we you mentioned are uh, extremely uh, important and, and worrisome, and we also had touched on these issues with other with other guests on the show. So you know that it's uh, it's something I'm uh, I'm very concerned about. But yeah, getting back to photography a little yeah. bit. Um, you you've been to some really extreme regions you've been to the north pole and i mean when i mean not just the arctic but mm. physically the, the geographically Geogra the north pole. north pole 90 degrees <laughs> 90 degrees north um alaska and the svalbard area and also antarctica i think and so on so these are extreme regions where photography can become a little bit more complicated Technically, there are technical yeah. issues that you have to, to overcome and you have to prepare with. Can you uh, tell us a bit about those issues? What's, uh, what, what do you have to look out for when you're traveling to those places? Of course, you don't have very much competition there. If you go mm -hmm. to India or Kenya or other area you know, of our world, you see lots of photographers. You know, if you go up there, trekking to the North Pole, basically, <laughs> it's just you. I remember it was the only, you know, filmmaker, documentary photographer who reached, you know, the North Pole at the time. So, uh, well, battery. The major problem is battery. Battery that uh, in, uh, in a very, maybe uh, same battery that uh, you, you can use like uh, uh, 2,000 shots or maybe three working days in five minutes. In five minutes, they are gone. They are totally gone. And I shot a, a temperature range from uh, 35 below up to or down to 53 so when you shoot at a 53 below it's i can tell you it's extremely bad condition but you know for your sorry to interrupt but you're talking celsius degrees uh, yeah,
is four the same, is the same in Celsius and Fahrenheit. Exactly. So Minus we're... 40 is the same. Fahrenheit and Celsius is the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, correct. Okay, sorry for the interruption. No, 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 no. no. It's, it's a very good specification for our, you know, for our guests, of course, they, they need to know. And uh, so it's extremely cold. It's extremely cold for, first of all, I mean, for uh, even to breathe. When you when you breathe, well, it's, uh, it's just a problem. You have to use a special mask, I mean, to interfere like a filter. You use three gloves, but let's Speak about our camera. So you have a tripod, totally frozen. You have the lens, which are basically covered, you know, by by the icy. You know, it's uh, it's not snow, but it's kind of ice, which is blown by the blizzard, the, the very cold, extreme cold uh, wind that blows from the North Pole. And then you have battery, which I told you, maybe they can uh, last up to five, maybe ten minutes. And everything is damn slow. It's damn heavy. If you have to change a lens, it's absolutely... <laughs> I, can, I can tell you what you feel, because you have to remove the three gloves you have. And uh, so uh, the risk has been frostbitten. And I got frostbite uh, uh, twice at my nose and my and my fingers. Uh, and I remember my guide, uh, you know, I saw his, uh, you know... Um, I saw his uh, his feet, and I had, he used to have like a big big shoes. But then you know, in in, in our tent was uh, you know totally undiscovered, you know, kind of an eight, and uh, and has uh, totally. I mean, was ten probably was ten, uh, ten fingers totally amputated. Uh, because you cannot play with the cold, uh, and that's the reason why people are so scared to reach this area. So uh, you have to sleep uh, with uh, with your battery at all time, keeping the battery very close to your heart, uh, using them, you know, the, the, removing and inserting uh, what, when it's necessary, uh, when it's necessary, sorry. And, uh, mm, and of course, uh, you have to use like solar panel, um, solar panel to recharge because you don't have a real plug, you know, when check Marple or extreme, uh, uh, also like in Mongolia. Now I'm going to Mongolia in like in one and a half months, but you don't have a real plug, you don't have any chargers to use. So, so solar panel uh, or generator in some cases, but not the North Pole. And so you have to learn how to save energy, your body energy and your camera energy. And then uh, sometimes you have the trouble, uh, you know, uh, when um, when you have uh, w- w- when you change uh, the environment, you you have to uh, you, you you stay a lot of outside. I do I do do lots of shooting, you know, like um, outside. You stay, you track for eight, nine, ten hours, so you stay into the cold for uh, all of this time. And then what happens? You enter like the tent inside, and uh, and you get uh, you pass from thirty five below to plus thirty degree, and say it, so you get uh, they, they, they condensate. So you get condensation. It. Yeah. Sorry. Condensation. You mean? Yeah, condensation. Yeah. Condensation on uh, on your lens. So it's uh, everything, you know, it's kind of you have a fog inside of your camera. And so you, there's a kind of a process. You have to pack uh, in a Ziploc uh, um, bag your, your stuff. And so trying to make it slowly happen from like the minus 50 
to zero to plus uh, maybe 20 and then close to the fire if you have a fire whatever you have an oven and slowly slowly you know because of course it's like sweating your camera your camera sweating so it's uh, it's kind of uh, it's almost dangerous because uh, if of course uh, something happened to the, the the electrical part of of your stuff <laughs> your uh, uh, your job is done is over so it's your mission is failed so you have to be very careful about about your camera first but also about your body because you know if you get forbidden of course you're unable to to work and uh, and also you know remember that uh, you have some physical issue to develop uh, you know uh, like pp or something else when you are out into the cold and uh, you have to take care of what you said so it's uh, it's not uh, it's not uh, it's not a game no, what you said have... about um, condensation it's uh, i mean even without going to the north pole it's an issue that can affect everyone. Mm-hmm. You're out in winter mm-hmm. or you're out in very warm and humid climate and you come inside into an air-conditioned room. There are condensation can happen inside the camera and inside the lens. And I've seen mm-hmm. this happen with, even with equipment that is um, supposedly weather-resistant, right? Yes. But yes. what's the issue there is that uh, equipment that is weather-resistant is not uh, resistant to air and you have... Air, air with moisture inside the camera at all time, yes. and you come and you come inside, and this condenses and condenses, and it's not because the camera is leaking; it's because it has air, humid air inside, and that's, <laughs> uh, that's just the fact that you have to to take care even in, in less uh, extreme conditions yeah absolutely it's not uh, you you can have the 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 water water resistant waterproof uh, weather because you know there's uh, you know some uh, you know facebook pages now there's a debate you know weather resistant water resistant so whatever resistance you have you you cannot do anything you know with air it really affects it's really a, a hard issue to fight and uh, there is no way. You simply have to have different lenses, and you cannot use your lens for maybe two or three hours. And the more you try to remove the condensation, the condensation, you know, with uh, with the tissue, with whatever you have in your hand, and the more it, you know, it comes stronger. So there is no way to defeat it. I mean, <laughs> you will be a loser for sure. Except using Ziploc bags to. to- prevent it yes but again if you ziplock bags and if you start you know from um, minus 35 uh, up to 30 plus 35 so it's 70 degree difference also in ziplock bags you got moisture you got condensation i remember that the first who taught me this was norbert rosing which is eight the eight time cover pages of uh, national geographic you know with uh, with polar bears and uh, we spent, you know, some time together shooting polar bears uh, in the Arctic in Canada. So he thought me this uh, little, you know, secret. But uh, of course, you know, uh, when we uh, enter, you know, this little was a shelter, you know, in, in the middle of nowhere uh, from uh, 53 below to plus 30. Well, uh, we, we have to step uh, uh, like in the door in, in the main door so it was about uh, zero degrees so the first step was a zip lock and uh, let the camera I mean uh, uh, slowing down for like uh, an hour at the zero degree and then from uh, zero inside at 20 degree 
and then close to the fire at 30, 35 degrees. And then with uh, some towels and trying to, you know, uh, to, to make it, you know, uh, to remove uh, all the, the water drops that, you know, of course, you know, have been generated from this, uh, you know, temperature, you know, growing up. So let's talk a bit about more comfortable and welcoming environments when I'm thinking of museums. <laughs> <laughs> Which are, um, yeah, they don't pose the, those uh, kind of issues. Uh, I mean, museums, you, you said you're, you're from Pistoia, which is, uh, for people who don't know, it's a lovely uh, little city in the middle of Tuscany, or in the mm. north of Tuscany, actually. So you're basically born in the middle of the, the, the heart, the cradle of the Italian Renaissance. So you've got museums at your door. You can go to Florence uh, by foot, maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and go to a museum there. And you said that, I mean, we are Italians. We cannot avoid being influenced by art. Yeah. And you said that much of your influence on, on your photography came by, by the way of art. You were yeah. inspired by the, the style of paintings of the Renaissance, like uh, Caravaggio or Van Eyck and, and so on. Uh, can you explain in which way? Why, why is that important to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm happy you, you, you mentioned this, you know, the place where I live, because like an interview I released, you know, a few, a few months ago, I said that Pistoia, it's, uh, to me, it's a naval is the navel of, of the world because you know I'm close to the uh, to Florence but I'm close to Pisa and Lucca and I got mountains and sea so everything is uh, pretty much close and of course you know um, my home is 25 kilometers uh, from Vinci and uh, maybe two weeks ago I went to Vinci where you know the, the, the greatest genius of, uh, of our planet uh, uh, born uh, maybe six or five six centuries, centuries ago uh, and it was under Pistoia, uh, you know, chapel stuff, you know, the, in, by the time rather than Florence. So um, I tell you, I, I didn't love so much photography when I, when I really started. So I was attracted by by the studying in uh, only uh, always in English book text. Uh, the Van Eyck light. So Van Eyck was the first to use the light with a kind of a power. And then I discovered Michelangelo Marisi, which is called Caravaggio. And, uh, and I really uh, went to see all of its exhibits, you know, uh, Florence, Rome, everywhere, uh, because I was damnly attracted by the use of his light and colors. So strong, but so real. So, I mean, well, to me it was really eye-catching. So I didn't care about photography at all, absolutely not, but I keep uh, keep um, reading books and, you know, watching their uh, these portraits uh, or artwork of this great master of Renaissance, and it was, uh, it was totally influenced. In fact, you know, when I, when, um, when I started shooting photography, I love uh, more like the underexposed pictures, uh, using strong lights, uh, and doing, you know, but, but also, you know, like the choose of uh, film, uh, I love to use uh, or uh, Kodachrome 64 or uh, even Velvia, the Velvia 50 ISO speed, which was very strong in colors like the green uh, or the red, whatever. So I was certainly influenced by, by this painter. Then uh, I, I, but very late, uh, I, I really ran my way. Uh, without uh, you know any any real master uh, rather than you know the professor uh, which I told you Cornelio Bizello which introduced me to the world of photography then uh, you know uh, I made my my way 
And then I was uh, more involved in photography, so looking at other photographers, but not looking uh, directly to any, any kind of influence. Uh, you know, what I felt for painting was uh, absolutely something that really absorbed my time and influenced, you know, my, 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 my photography in a way. Mm -hmm. I see. But coming to more modern times, are any photographers that you said you don't get much influence from them, but maybe that you admire for their work that you would like to mention? Mm, mm, yes, I think uh, I have uh, three names, uh, or maybe maybe four. Let me think. Uh, well, uh, one for sure because I love uh, I love basically three three issues in the world of photography of traveling, like a reportage photography and travel photography. So, uh, planet art like landscapes people and animals, basically, you know. So uh, for people, Steve McCary. McCary, which now, well, it's become too much commercial, so not many people really love him, and, and, and I share, I agree, you know, what been, some people say. But still, if you look at his, uh, you know, the picture he used to take, like, in, in the past years, uh, when he was totally abandoned to India time or Myanmar time, uh, they are absolutely masterpiece. No way, no doubt. Now, well, uh, the 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 picture he has taken in uh, in Perugia. I went three times to see his exhibit because some people from that area called me and say, "Luca, but do you think would you be able to do a job like Steve McCary took uh, for Perugia?" And I say, well, hopefully I can do something a little bit better. <laughs> maybe, maybe my daughter is able to do the, the, the same, his same job. So, but, you know, let's, uh, let's step to, you know, his, uh, his back, you know, yeah. time, uh, daily. Heritage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's still a great photographer. Then, um, let me see, uh, let me think, uh, Franz Lanting. Franz mm -hmm. Lanting is absolutely a great, uh, great master, uh, both uh, environment, uh, so, I mean, in animals, uh, he's using absolutely crazy lighting composition in subject is, uh, is absolutely a great, uh, a great shooter. And uh, Franz Lanting, well, um, uh, Janaros Bertrand, I love aerial photography, I do a lot of aerial photography, I, I, I travel the world in all my, uh, in all the country I've been able to, to travel, I use like uh, hang gliding or paragliding or uh, like uh, balloon or ultralight or helicopter, so I'm pretty much uh, affected by, by aerial photography and in fact you know, I'm, I'm starting using a drone for my some, some of my aerial pictures. So, uh, Janaros Bertrand, uh, he's a great master, probably is the number one, the world number one for air photography. And then, uh, because it really, in a way, reminds me, uh, uh, f well, uh, like this kind of uh, painting art, also if it's black and white, I have to mention Sebastião Salgado. Uh, which is uh, which is the, the world number one master of black and white? Yeah, those four big names are really. Uh, in, I feel uh, are the one to be to be follow and to be study. Yeah, great. I'm sure you you gave our listeners some names to look up if they're not familiar with them. All great artists. I, I completely agree and completely love them, their work. So what's uh, what's up next for you? Where are you where are you headed to? As you said, Mongolia. Uh, 
Oh my God, uh, that's my uh, calendar. It's I have to back. I can, I can imagine. Uh, Jesus, it's uh, in this moment. I'm uh, pretty much relaxed. I have to do some uh, some uh, live show, you know, with Ray One and uh, like uh, live story with Ray One. But uh, then I'm pretty much done, you know, with the photography for at least one month. One month, which uh, with not traveling, which is mm-hmm. kind of uh, a world record to me. Then September, I have Mongolia with uh, with the uh, eagle hunters, which is a long tradition with Kazakh people, nomads. Uh, she's absolutely an amazing kind of photography. Um, Tim Allen from BBC, you know, it was the first one who went in that area. And then uh, by the um, in, in in October, I have two trips. Uh, one at the very beginning to Iceland. Those are kind of like workshops. So I'm teaching photography. I start teaching photography to American students in university, and now I have my you know my real school of photography all around the world and taking this workshop supported by Fujifilm with the, like a camera and equipment so uh, then we'll be going to Iceland in September which is uh, with, Svalbard, with Svalbard and Lofotenheim those are my three favorite places overall overall so Iceland, which is land of ice and fire, you have volcano, you have a glacier, you have everything. Then coming back from uh, um, from that uh, from this trip to Iceland, three three days, just in time to change my uh, my purse, my bags, and I'll be going to Laos and Vietnam. So doing some ethnic people shooting um, um, Tibetan monks because they have the uh, a special festival. Uh, uh, with uh, with the fire boats festival, which is absolutely amazing for people who likes like street photography or portrait, it's uh, breathtaking. And then Vietnam for ethnic and from some landscape stuff like that. Then coming back, then I have some. I'm pretty much busy with the SIPA contest. SIPA, which is uh, the contest, they you know it's one of the most uh, most important cost in photography contest, which is uh, held in Siena. And this year I will be one of the special guests. I have a personal exhibit uh, with other uh, some other award-winning photographer, Francesco Cito, for you know just naming one of the big names. And uh, and so I have to be there. Uh, I have do I do some something like uh, like a conference. Uh, I have a meeting, you know, with people uh, with photographer, everyone who's interested. And then I have to go again to my favorite area and out of my my favorite area which is uh, Canada uh, so shooting photo shooting polar bears so my the, the, the animal with, uh, I'm very much in love and that's for uh, November December Oman and United Arab Emirates in uh, yeah uh, Abu Dhabi or Dubai and then Oman especially January I have Lofoten Island February Ladakh March, Iceland uh, for like a winter shooting in Iceland. April, I don't really know what I'm going to do. And so I have a pretty tough calendar. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I can't see that. God give me, you know, staying health like I'm now because... <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> That's pretty, that's pretty crazy and, and yes. exciting. Uh, 91 and, flights. 91 flights yeah. last year yeah, I had. Crazy. Uh, and yeah, Mongolia would be wonderful. I would love to maybe when you're back like in October or so, so if you have like a few days home or a place where you can uh, get a connection to to talk again with you about mm-hmm. Mongolia. I didn't yeah, have a lot. We can use a social network to do something like maybe in Bayanolgi, which is a very remote area. We can do something like live, live yeah. chat. So yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to, just talking about Mongolia would be would be very nice. I think it's uh, 
it's one of those places that you don't see many photographers there. No, 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 no. Two, two years ago, it was me and my students. Yeah. Absolutely no one, because listen, you have to, uh, the second day you have a trekking from 2,000 meters to up to, to 3,200 meters to reach the Potanin Glacier. So 16 kilometers, uh, 10 hours trekking, and you have, you know, 1,200 meters of, uh, you know, level differences. So, which is in a way, it's kind of challenging too. And then, you know, you don't have, uh, for 12 days, uh, you don't wash your body, no showers, <laughs> nothing. And so, and then the toilet, the toilet, you know, there's a, there's a lots of land there, I give you a shower so you, you can dig yourself and uh, that's it. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you're scaring people away. <laughs> and, and because, yeah, absolutely. I want to do it. I want to do because people that really want to follow me, they must be prepared. I don't want people to say, oh my gosh, I thought these, uh, yeah, I really think it was more comfortable. No. Nice. So it's uh, you have to face the life the way it's it's a one of the most real trip because everywhere you go you have a four stars lodges even if you go to Kenya to in everywhere you go and and also in, in kind of extreme places you find uh, also in the Svalbard Island if you stay in Longyearbyen uh, you have uh, you have top hotels to stay very warm and comfortable but if you go to Mongolia that's nature as it is. Great. You, nature, man, photography, that's it, and real people. We, we'll talk about Mongolia. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure I, I really want to, to hear you talk about it. But for, for people who would like to come with you on one of your trips, where can they find more about you online? But it's very easy. I can get you know bored to some people. Uh, first of all, you can you know see me on Wikipedia, both English or Italian. So mm -hmm. if you simply you know uh, write down Luca Bracali or my website, which is lucabracali.it. But if you Google me, you you can really get bored. Mm -hmm. I have really lots of uh, yeah lots of links that speaks about you know, so TV and so yeah. We'll, we'll put links in the in the show notes. Awesome. And uh, yeah, or I think I think it's. Yeah, sure. And I think it's the first for me to have one, my first guest who has a dedicated Wikipedia page. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And what else? Uh, nothing. I mean, it's, uh, it's been really a great conversation. We touched many topics and I'm sure I would like to, to invite you again on the show in the future because I feel we have uh, so many more things to to say and to share. So for now, for now I would like to, to thank you for your time. Uh, I know you're busy, so I won't keep you too long on the line. And if there's anything else you would like to, to add before we call it a day. Well, uh, actually, we, we need to mention anything of my eight books I published. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, I simply want to um, remind, you know, that I published my last book. Uh, it was two months ago, and it's called Planet Art. Planet mm -hmm. Art, a work to save. Okay. okay. So, uh, and it's available I, I don't want to tell anything more. Yeah, it's, is it available in English? It, it, of course, the two languages, Italian and English, it has been already uh, presented in Pistoia. It will be presented in Milan in uh, maybe the very end of September, so between my Mongolia and my uh, Iceland trip, and it's already been presented in Montreal. So, well, it's... Uh, but I don't, I, don't, I don't really... Because I don't want to do any advertising at all. Okay? Okay. I, I don't want to do it, and so I don't tell you where, where it's available. I simply tell, you know, the title, Planet Earth. Okay. 
a word to save. That's, that's it. great, I'll, but it's um, was, you know with this word. It's perfectly okay to to mention your your achievements and uh, and your work. So thank you for for that and uh, all the best for your trips and take <laughs> care. And I'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a really pleasure being uh, being your guest and your podcast, uh, Ugo, because uh, it's something very. Very smart. It's, been, you know, it's done in a very professional way, but it's smart and it, it really, really helps. I mean, also that to people that don't really know what is photography in, in a very deep meaning to spread. Again, you know, you're doing like a seed spreading, you know, the same way I'm doing, you know, with the, with the, with the love of our planet. Do the same for photography. So thank you for doing this. And it's a real honor to be, to be your guest, being host by your podcast. Yeah, thanks. Th- and thank th- thanks to everyone who is really listening to us, of course. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay. Take care. Have a safe, great day. Bye-bye.